1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Make and Multiply. Uh, this is a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My name is Matt Groon, uh, pastoral resident at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined with my dear friend Ryan Chase, uh, who is a pastor and elder here at Emmaus. Um, and this week, we're going to dive back into our, our, uh, our collection of listener questions. Reminder, that is... Uh, you know, you are welcome to submit any questions you might have, things you would like us to talk about. We're trying to do this more regularly, maybe once a month, um, and try and address some of the questions that might be coming up from you, the listeners. So, uh, this week, this was a great question, and it's important we tee this up. We're recording this uh, the week after we had our, our family meeting, where we kind of the elders, Lauren, laid out kind of a vision of what the next couple of years look like as far as building. And they announced a um, a goal of giving of, how uh, was it, a million dollars in the next two years, um, which is, that's a lot of money. That's <laughs> crazy. So uh, t- this this question is um, is regarding tithing. And just from the front, we just want to clarify. To be clear. This, ca- this question... Was for, and we had been thinking about, talking about this question weeks ago. So this is not like, hey, let's quick talk about tithing yeah. <laughs> after, the, after the family meeting. Uh, that right. is not our heart at all. So please just trust us that, you know, we're, it's just a really great question. And we, yeah. I think it's important for us to... It's applicable to, all the time. Yes, exactly. So here's a question from a listener, Ryan. He, he says this, how does giving or tithing, and this is a great question, mm-hmm. affect the giver and the body of believers? And then he says, is tithing really a matter of obedience or just a matter of generosity? Which is a lot to, a lot to say there. Mm-hmm. Um, does the Bible define how I should give or at what percent uh, and so forth? Um, so that's the question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, you, you can go wherever direction you want. I think it might be important to start up front by kind of just defining Some terms, maybe a quick overview of kind of the biblical data involving tithing or giving, um, and kind of what we mean when we use that word. I think everybody has ideas of what we mean when we say tithing or giving, Mm -hmm. um, but we want to be scripturally governed people. Um, So, could you help us out? What what is tithing or giving according to the scriptures?
0: Yeah, Uh, the word tithe refers to 10%. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we talk about tithing, typically that's kind of the the principle or the rule of thumb that we have in mind of giving 10% of income or um, increase as God blesses us. We see the tithe throughout scripture, even before Moses. So there are commands in the Mosaic law relating to um, money and wealth and tithing and support of the poor and Levites and priests in the temple and all of that. Mm. But even prior to that, um, we see examples of the tithe. Um, is it Abraham who gives a, a, a tithe to Melchizedek? Yeah. Um, so prior to Moses, even. Well, even in
1: even um, Cain and Abel, yeah. uh, they brought an offering. Right. They, they brought something from their own, you know, from their right. flock, from yeah, his Abel field. Raised,
0: uh, he was a shepherd. Cain had um, produce. Right. And, and they brought offerings before the Lord. Right. So the principle was in play before the, the, the,
1: the, the formal nation of Israel was instituted. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Um,
0: I think along with that, it's helpful just to kind of have in mind then in the Mosaic Law, when God is talking about giving, um, it's always in the context of a promise. I'm going to bless you. Mm. Uh, I'm going to bring you into this land, and it's flowing with milk and honey, and I'm going to bless you beyond what you can imagine, um, beyond your own ability. And so there are warnings like when you come into the land uh, and you enjoy all of this blessing, watch out. Be, be on guard against the thought in your own mind that, uh, my hand and, and my might has gotten me this. wealth. Right. So, so remembering it's a blessing from the Lord. And so giving is an expression of that, that Everything we have, we have as a gift from God. So it's all, it, it's grace from God that he's sustaining us, providing for our needs. Um, yeah, and and the expression of thankfulness to yes. God and worship to God in, in giving back.
1: Right. And you're describing, what's that, Deuteronomy 7, 6 and 7, or the beginning of Deuteronomy, yep. Moses, on the eve of them entering into the promised land, right? And we know the promised land, if you were a kid, you always knew it was the land flowing with milk and honey, um, a land of abundance, a place that God had put forward in front of his people as a place where he will be with them and dwell with them and bless them. Yes. And so you, there's this promise of abundance coming forward. And like you're saying, you're describing Moses makes this warning to the people. Um, you're going to be tempted when you get there to say, look what I've achieved by my own hand. Right. Look what I've done. Look what we have. Um, he's warning them to not forget God. That's right. right. Sorry. Keep going. Yeah.
0: And and so even that is instructive to us because it it tells us um, that is a particular temptation Mm. that uh, comes with money and and wealth, the temptation to forget God, the temptation to rely on ourselves, Mm. um, to, to think that we provide for ourselves all that we need. Um, And so Paul tells Timothy at the end of one of his letters to Timothy, you know, as for the rich in this present age, warn them not to set their hope on the uncertainty of... Riches, yeah, um, but to give generously. So, so there are particular warnings there. Proverbs three, I think, gives kind of a a summary, overarching principle. Proverbs three nine and ten: Honor the Lord with your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. And so, there's this um, kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, Irony about it um, Hmm. that as you give, God is going to. Supply and fill. It seems like, well, the way to fill your barns would be keep it all mm. for yourself. Um, but everywhere that scripture talks about this, it says, no, give, and and God is the one who will supply all your needs right. above and beyond. Which, isn't that just a tangible, re- like visceral,
1: everyday expression of gospel logic? The first shall be last. It, you want to mm-hmm. you gain your life, you have to lose it. There, there is this upside-downness to yeah. the gospel itself yeah. that actually has effect in how we live. Like if if I want to have abundance, then God has commanded me in ways to the way to achieve that is to, is to give, Um, which feels so, because I think this is so critical when, why do people hate talking about money? It's like money and politics and religion, right? When you go to Thanksgiving with your, with your family, why do people hate talking about money or hate thinking about money is because it arises in us such Anxiety, mm. um, and ultimately, you know, you, you d- keep digging down. What it's putting, what talking about money does, is it, it it's getting to the fear of not being able to provide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, the fear of not being able to provide for my family, this yeah. duty I feel from God to, you know, to pr- provide for my family. I, if I need to, I need to make a certain number, a certain income in order to do that. And so, when you think about money and the thought of giving some away, it arises. This, well, I don't want to be. F- foolish Mm -hmm. right i want to be i want to i want to have all my ducks in a row but ultimately i think what we're trying to hide is that fear of of, uh, or insecurity lack of security that lack of i need it all so that i can feel safe yeah
0: which is exactly why this is at the root a heart issue exactly um your your god is whoever or whatever you trust to satisfy you and secure you. Yeah. And, and those two words have always been so helpful to me to think about w- what am I looking to for my satisfaction and my security? Well, money is a huge thing for, for all of us, a temptation to, to think, well, that provides satisfaction. Cause think of all the satisfying things I can with money um, and security. A you know, I, I, sense of security comes from um, having shelter and having food and having clothes. Jesus addresses this in mm. Matthew six when he's talking about um, don't be anxious about tomorrow. You know, what are the categories he's talking in? What you are going to wear, right? Um, what you are going to eat, right? H- how you are going to sustain your life. So these these are very um, deep and real everyday issues of mm. life and death. Where where do I find My security, Um, and so yeah, it gets it gets at the heart. What are we trusting in? Which is why the temptation is always there to trust in money to satisfy and secure us, rather than trusting in God, who provides all things for us richly to enjoy.
1: Right. Yeah, that's helpful. Okay, so in in some senses, we're talking about we're talking about money and giving, uh, but particularly in in tithing Mm -hmm. now. So that's a we just that was a brief discussion on both giving money yeah. itself and the dangers in the, the calls to both. But now, what about tithing? And I think what we mean by tithing particularly is a giving to uh, giving, if you will, back to God, mm-hmm. giving a offering of your own from your own storehouses, if you will. Um, now, typically, that looks like giving a certain percentage yep. to. Your church to to the to the operations of the ministries of the church. Yeah, Um, is that are we is that a command? Is that are we are we just supposed to do that because it's quote quote, unquote a good idea? Mm -hmm. Are we commanded to do that? What if I don't have enough? What if I don't feel like it? So fill out those questions.
0: Yeah. So some of the places in the Old Testament that speak most clearly about this. Deuteronomy 14 lays out some of those commands about the tithe, um, tithing from the increase of the seed, the produce, the field, whatever's Mm -hmm. brought in, and then what to do with that. And, um, you know, you can drill into some of that in Deuteronomy 14, Numbers 18, Leviticus 27. Um, uh, Scripture kind of paints this picture of several different things that are going on, and for the Hebrews, the people of God under the Mosaic law, um, some of it had to do with the calendar. Here's what you do with your tithe in Mm. this year and then in the second year. And it's kind of in the seven year cycle. Um, and so clearly there are differences about our situation today. We're, we're not living under the Mosaic law in old Testament Israel. And yet there are principles involved in the tithe, that overarching banner honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Um, and then there's principles. Then we see repeated in the New Testament. I think it's significant that in Matthew twenty three twenty three, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees, who are he says they're they're tithing from their mint and their. Dill and their cumin, so so they're spice out rack, a spice rack, <laughs> yeah. and they are measuring out ten percent of their spices. Yeah, um, and, and when and Jesus rebukes them not for tithing, but for neglecting what he calls the, the weightier matters of the law, yeah. justice and mercy and faithfulness. And then he says, you should have done this as well as that. Right. Um, so, so he's he's
1: not not neglecting the other, right? But doing uh, it's a both and. Yeah, it's one. It's one happening out of the over or the motivation of another. Right. So
0: God speaks that way several places throughout the Old Testament. I desire mercy rather than sacrifice. You could check the box, do the math, figure out 10% of your income, give that and feel like you're a good person who deserves God's blessing mm. while disobeying God in every other area of your life. So you, right. you've got to get these things ordered rightly. That's said. Um, But when you have the order right, the principle doesn't vanish. It's not like, well, because I'm busy loving people and doing justice, then this no longer applies. Right. So Paul actually refers to the Old Testament command to tithe in 1 Corinthians nine fourteen, 14. Uh, and he talks about um, maybe it'd be helpful to go there um, 1 Corinthians 9 14 right before that verse verse 13 he says um, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings yeah uh Verse 14, in the same way, and and that's key, the the phrase that he used there, just so. In in this very same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. So he takes that principle to the New Testament and says, okay, this no longer is just restricted to Levites and priests in the Old Testament temple, but now workers of the gospel who are proclaiming the gospel, um, they are supported by the tithe. Mm. So he doesn't say that principle is gone. Right. He's just saying it has this this new application right. in the new covenant. Right, it's a new expression of the same principle. This principle hasn't changed.
1: The, the application or the practice of it yeah. looks differently. And, and, and like most things, it's expanded. Mm-hmm. It's not just bound to the 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 people from a certain tribe within a certain nation, right. um, with a you know with a certain occupation. It's now spread out to anybody who's you know vocationally spreading the gospel. So for us, pastors, yep.
0: missionaries, the of the gospel. yes, yep.
1: pe- people who are don't have any other vocation other than ministry. Mm -hmm. And the way that they're supported by that is through the tithe. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And the other, uh, uses of the tithe that we see in the old Testament, some of that went to the poor. Mm. Um, so, you know, from that 10% money might be given to somebody who's in need, taking care of, of those needs as they arise. Um, and then some of it was actually spent on feasting mm. in celebration before the Lord. That's awesome. Which is incredible. I mean, God, God says, from, from your tithe, take some, go to Jerusalem with it, and rejoice and celebrate before the Lord mm. as an expression of thankfulness to God for the blessing that he's given you. And then there's this command that says, um, but if it's too far to carry all of your produce with you, you know, mm. <laughs> um, sell it, take the money, and then when you get to Jerusalem, buy whatever pleases you, yeah. whatever you want to, and feast before the Lord. So, so there's, there's a principle there for a thanksgiving feast to God Yeah, um, that is coming out of that tithe and, and as an expression of, of worship to God.
1: Yeah, so may, maybe talk a little bit more about that, though, because is our giving then primarily meant to be only an expression mm-hmm. of our generosity? Um, are we only to give... When we want to, if that yeah, makes sense to feel like it or is there is there a bit more teeth to it because mm-hmm. i think I think that's probably the 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 rub mm. for all of us mm-hmm. is it, 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 what is it am, am i am i just am I a legalist by just having just do it yeah. you have to give yeah well, what you know doesn't the gospels doesn't he say God loves a cheerful giver well i'm right. not cheerful so should I give?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Second Corinthians nine is where Paul writes that each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Um, So uh, yes, we are to give, not just give period, but give cheerfully. And and, uh, we've said this before that um, oftentimes it's in that adverb where mm. you find the real distinction, right. not just the verb of giving, but the adverb giving cheerfully versus giving reluctantly, right. um, or compulsively. Um, there are plenty of other commands in the old Testament that say similar things like Deuteronomy 26, you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord, your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who's among you. So, so there's a command to rejoice. Right. Rejoice before the Lord.
1: Which which is repeated if you're just thinking, of oh, Deuteronomy, that's Old Testament. It's repeated. I mean, that's the whole point of Philippians. Philippians, right. everywhere in Philippians, Paul is not just rejoice. saying, Hey, we think you should it'd be a good idea if you were. He's commanding multiple times, and in fact, emphatically back to back, rejoice. I'm going to say it again: rejoice and rejoice in all circumstances, regardless yes. of what comes. So the command to do something to the command to experience an emotion is not a foreign thing. It's not a legalistic Thing. It's a command that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation Mm -hmm. and therefore producing new fruit. So produce it and and
0: act a certain way. Right. So it gets deeper than just the external action. Yeah. Where it can be kind of simple, easy. Um, to check the external boxes, to go through the motions, not from the heart. And that's not pleasing to God. So what that does, it doesn't let let us off the hook when our heart's not there. It just shows us, oh, actually my sin is not just failing to do some external duties or rituals, but at the heart level, Mm -hmm. this is where the root of my sin is. I'm Mm -hmm. not trusting God, relying on God, rejoicing in God. And how do I know? Well, because I can tell that my heart is begrudging and unwilling. So in Deuteronomy 15, this incredible chapter that talks about um, God's material blessing that he's going to pour out on his people, and then how that relates to the poor. And um, there's this statement that, uh, verse 7 If among you, one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord, your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or Mm. shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. Um, And and then there's this command to give freely. Mm. So there again, it's, it's to be done from the heart, not begrudgingly or unwillingly, but it, it's a command that gets at the heart. And so uh, I, I think it's, it'd be easy to read a passage in the New Testament like 2 Corinthians 9 and, and think, well, God loves a cheerful giver and I don't feel very cheerful. Therefore, I won't because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Right. Um, rather than doing what Paul does in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, which right. is bring in the grace of the gospel to show you how the grace of God changes your heart from unwilling, begrudging, miserly, envious, discontented, whatever sin is going on, the grace of God addresses all of that and moves you into a a cheerful giver. And so I would say, you know, pay attention when uh, money issues stir up anxiety, hmm. discontentment, fear, envy, all of those things. Those are like check engine lights that something's off in your heart. Yes. Something's off at the root level of what you're thinking, what you're desiring, what you're believing, who you're trusting for your satisfaction and security. And don't just say, Oh, well that that's convenient. I have a pass. I don't have to give Right. <laughs> uh, rather deal with that by repenting, turning your heart to the truth that's laid out. and And that's what's So powerful about 2 Corinthians 8, when Paul Mm -hmm. deals with the issue of generosity, he he deals with it in terms of the gospel. So he, he says... He points, he calls it an act of grace to give, and and one of the reasons it's an act of grace is because it's an act motivated, empowered by grace. He says in verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So Paul doesn't just beat people over the head with a command, give and period. That's it. It's it's done. No, he he brings the grace of God in Christ into the situation and specifically puts it in terms of poverty and riches. Mm. Christ was rich and yet he impoverished himself to make you rich through him. So if you've experienced that kind of grace and if God is that generous to you, just think on that, meditate on that. Remember that God's going to meet all of your needs and provide for you as you trust in him. That's what stirs up our hearts to become cheerful givers who engage in this act of grace as Paul calls it. Right. And so
1: that what you just described is the <clears throat> is a paradigm shift in my how I think about giving. And now when opportunities arise, it kind of like opens my eyes to the opportunities around me. So for instance, um, you know, if it, in this is Deuteronomy 15, this is second uh, Corinthians 8 and 9, this is if you see people around you struggling help them. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have means, help them. Uh, And also in your, in the church, the functions of the church, if you have means you're commanded to, to give right. And to give a certain way, but you know, because the question, the original question, the listener question was how does giving affect the believer and the body? Mm. Um, And if you've ever given to people Mm -hmm. um, out of your own generosity, there is a sweet, Grace that you experience from doing that. My wife is an incredible gift giver. Mm. I am. I am. She she would be the first to tell you I am not, but she (laughs) loves thinking about people. It just it speaks to the grace of God in her of thinking about people. What what kind of people they are? What kind of Mm. things do they like? What kind of things do they need? Um, And whether this is our kids or me or people in our MC or people around us, and and she is just thinking about it, thinking about it and tuned into being proactive in that way.
0: And it has, and she is that way because it has an effect on her Mm -hmm. to, to give in that way. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. There is a a blessing, a happiness and joy that you experience in giving.
1: So it has an effect. And likewise, if you've ever been, man, we, we experienced this more than any during our season at the pastor's college. Um, we received gifts from people, Mm -hmm. um, and some of them sizable mon- monetary gifts, out of the blue, um, and just the effect it has on people mm. uh, when you receive that. And it's hard for you know it's hard for our modern society to receive. Yeah. Like nobody wants to be a charity case. Everybody wants to be able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Especially us Dutchmen. But the what the whole experience of the of the pastors' college. In all the ways, and particularly mm. in this one, the one of finances, it really required us to just say, God, you're going to take care of us. Um, and it, sometimes it felt foolish, um, mm. but we, we did it. And it, it was in those expressions of, of the of the body of believers, for those who have much, out of their access they gave to us. Yeah. And that was just such a, it's hard. To, it's really. It's hard to put your arms around. it Other than to, it's an evidence. Of, well, I'll just use Paul's yeah. language. It's an evidence of God's grace to us yeah, through it's,
0: people. It's one thing to say you believe that God provides. It's another to experience. Yes, God just provided and, and met for this need. Exactly. Met right. this need. So, uh, on both sides, whether you're giving or receiving you're experiencing God's grace. I think that's just so crucial to, to keep that language. Paul uses second Corinthians eight. It is an act of grace. Yes. It's an act of grace because it's empowered by grace. It takes the grace of God to move us to give like this. Uh, it's an expression of his grace and his provision. It magnifies his generous grace toward us in yeah. Christ. So all around, it's an act of yeah. grace. Deuteronomy 15. I would encourage people go, go read through that. The, the logic of the text, if you follow the apparent at first, it, it, is an apparent contradiction on the Mm. surface because um, you have early on in Deuteronomy 15 verse four, this verse that says there will be no poor among you for the Lord will bless you in the land that the Lord, your God is giving you for an inheritance to possess. So great. We've got this picture. We're going to the promised land. God's going to bless us. There are going to be no more poor people because his blessing is going to be so rich. How about that? And then, You come to verse 7, and there's this statement, if among you, one of your brothers should become poor, then here's what you do. You, You open your heart. You don't harden your heart. Hardening your heart is sin, so you repent. You confess that. You open your hand, and you give to him sufficient for his need. And then you come down to verse 11, and it says, for there will never cease to be poor in the land (laughs) right before that is this command you shall give him freely your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him Mm -hmm. so it's not just external in the old testament is it It, it's a hard it's a hard issue yeah what do i do if my heart is grudging Well, you're in sin, so confess that to God, repent, Right, and then by His grace, remember, oh yeah, He blessed me, because the rest of that command says this, your heart shall not be grudging when you give to Him, because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Meaning, this is why God blessed you. Do do you have excess? Mm. Okay, well, if you do, you have excess because God blessed you, because... God means to meet the needs of others through you. Right. So that's that's part of the purpose. So if you find your heart is begrudging, you, you just direct your mind to these thoughts, these realities. I didn't earn this by my own strength. God has supplied for me. Yeah. Why has God supplied for me? Because there are people in need. So when you take these two verses together, verse four and verse 11, there will be no poor because I'm going to so bless you. There will never cease to be poor in the land. You go, well, how could that be? Mm. Well, I, it, it just tells us God does not, pour out his blessings, like an even blanket that just falls on everybody. You know, like think of a snowfall where, all right, we all got 12 inches of snow.
1: Can anybody think of a snowfall? Like I I can think of a recent (laughs) snowfall. (laughs) It's just helpful. Thank you the Lord for sending that idea. The reality
0: is God's blessings drop. And, you know, on, on this home, Mm. there might be excessive amounts of wealth and on a neighbor, there might be less. And God's saying, here's the key. I will provide enough for everybody, which means God intentionally creates inequality so that some people will experience the grace and the joy of giving to meet the needs of others, and others will experience the, the grace and the joy of receiving and experiencing God meet their needs in ways that they didn't see coming or anticipate. All of that is by God's design. So, I mean, that just flies in the face of, you know, socialism and a a lot of our culture is just marked by envy that anytime I see disparity, somebody has more than I have. It's just, you know, how dare they? It's not fair. Somebody should redistribute it all. God's saying, no, I'm I'm going to distribute it unevenly so that you can participate in this grace and this joy. And it's humbling all around. Yeah. It, it, it
1: blows through any of the egalitarian flatlining that, that wants to take place that wants to like like at the root of the marxist uh, socialist idea is if somebody has more than somebody else yeah. it's because they took it from Some them as if the, if the pie was set yeah. um by us then if somebody if i take more from you if i have more it's because i took it from right. you and so what socialism marxism egalitarianism wants to do is all right give it all to us and we'll redistribute it evenly yeah, yeah. That's not how God does it. Right. it clearly, he, that's not. And so, I think what that does is it helps us, you know, just be aware of what's happening of of, of you know society that wants to do that, but also like helps us to not be envious of others mm-hmm. that might have more than us. Right. Um, it is a blessing from God, and they're accountable to God directly as how they handle right. that wealth. But having that wealth is in no way a sin in and of itself. Right. But because because Jesus says plenty of. The, the issues that come with being rich, yeah. but like, but you know, scaling out in the the meta, if you will, the big picture of it is, is God is pouring out His graces unevenly, mm-hmm. and how is that good w- or fair? Well, first of all, He's the one who's giving breath in our lungs, mm-hmm. so thanks be to God for that. But also, it, it gives us opportunities to exercise the gifts of the fruits of the Spirit to one another, mm-hmm. um, because when you give to another, um, when you give to the church, when you give to ministry, there is a, uh, a sowing that's taking place. Yeah. It's like raising kids, right? You, you, you and I are both in the season of sowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, we are praying for the harvest someday, uh, where, but you, you're planting seeds and it is a, there is return. It might not be a one for one. It might not be return of, of like monetary return, mm-hmm. but there is a, a blessing that comes to you. In doing, in exercising those opportunities, so right. it, it's an opportunity to exercise the gifts of the spirit amongst one another, which is just we we have to thank God for that for that opportunity. Right. So maybe we can close here with a couple of last thoughts. Any practical? What mm-hmm. does this practically look like? Yeah. Are, are, should we just give more?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the tithe as a principle. Mm. Being that it predates the the law of Moses and extends into the New Testament and is repeated and, and cited there, it it is a a principle mm-hmm. um, for us. Uh, a ten percent is a good baseline. Um, it, it I think the thing to guard against is the thought, okay, I I own and keep ninety percent, God gets ten percent. Mm-hmm. the The whole point of it, ten percent is significant enough that that is a reminder to us. God owns it all. That's right, and this is this is a reminder to me. It all comes from Him. It's a blessing from Him. So, ten percent I think is the the place to start. Certainly, you can give more than that. Lots of practical questions come out in terms of ten percent of net or ten percent of gross. Yeah. Um, you know, what does that look like? Well, given that our economy looks very different than what we read in the old Testament. When you're reading there about giving 10% of the increase of your field and the seed and the, the livestock. Well, what does that look like when you just get paid in, in dollars by by your employer? But I, I think, um, since the principle there would be if, if you're a farmer you're you know uh, one author uses the illustration of if you're an apple farmer you're not chopping down 10% of your apple trees and burning the wood right <laughs> you're you're of the apples that you bring in you're you're giving 10% um, and so it's it's kind of a a net here's you know here's
1: what I took in here's what I brought home
0: yep. 10% of that is, is right off the top the first and the best is is given as an active faith and yeah. worship to God Re- so. and recognizing that what comes in in America in- <laughs> is
1: already been taxed most yeah. likely right so you know we were having this discussion before what about taxes well you know it's not like you have to calculate what is your gross gross before taxes right because uh, that you know that comes off the top right
0: and, and you could, if you want. You know, like Nobody stopping you. you. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there. Are, the Old Testament talks about free will offerings, and, and mm. certainly you could give above. You know, there are people who God has so enlarged them that they have the capacity that mm. their living expenses are, are covered, and they could double tithe or mm. triple tithe. I mean, that, it just looks different for diff- people different
1: positions or, or, in life, or being aware of of things around you that are coming up that you could give out of excess. So, for instance those that dear couples who gave to us while we were at the PC, mm-hmm. I'm sure they gave that not as their tithe, but abundant uh, on a- top of it. the, yeah. which is, which is important. Or like, you know, here in this, if we do things like the goats and coats that we do every, every Christmas, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's not meant to say, okay, stop your tithing to the general fund, if you will. And just give to this, it, it, this is more of like, Hey, here's a need. Yeah. Give as you see fit. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, you can speak clear, more clearly to this, but I think it's the same principle involved with this new building f- fund that we've yeah. you know, projected. Like we're not asking people to stop giving to the general fund and please <laughs> that'd be, that would have its own effects. But, but this is more of, Hey, here's a need. Yep. And as the Lord moves and as the Lord, you yeah. know, blesses us unequal, in equal within inequality of funds, mm-hmm. um, give how, how, how he moves you to do and give cheerfully and give freely. And, and, yeah. um, and, and through that, it's a function of the grace of God in you. And the whole church is blessed when that happens. So like the, so the fact that it has on the church, when we announce I forget the number, when we announced after the ghosts and coats, like with all the churches in the region, something like $50,000 or yeah. something was, was collected in like three or four weeks, man, what an encouragement that is to us, mm-hmm. like to, to you and me and the people who were a part of the giving and what an encouragement it is to the the brothers in Pakistan that are yeah. receiving that. Yeah. Um, so that is, I think that's what we want to leave with: is yeah. the principle is there, but it's there for our good, right. uh, and ultimately for our joy. And because Christ, who was richer than we can even fathom, yeah. he became poor for our sake, so that we might be rich and be able to experience, like experience the same as a, a foretaste or a, a shadow of what Christ experienced in ex- expressing His grace and His. His riches to us, we now are able to act that out, um, which is just such a sweet gift. So, yes, hopefully that was helpful. A lot more that
0: could be said. Yes, come back to this topic again, but um, yeah, it's a crucial issue because money, what what we love and what we desire, um, those are heart issues. Yeah, and money has a way. That's why Jesus said you can't can't serve two masters. You can't serve God. And money. That's right. Um, but, but you live in the world where you, mm. you have money. You, you mm. use money to... Um, God supplies you with money. So you have to relate to it in a way that it's, it's not your God. Yeah. God is. And I think we want to, for sure, take a second to just
1: say to the people of the Main Church, thank you mm. for your generosity. Um, from, you know, it feels like the Lord has been particularly generous to our people who have then been particularly generous to the church. Um, We are a people marked by cheerful Mm. giving, and it is such an encouragement to my soul. It's encouragement to your pastors. It's an encouragement to the people um, that, and, you know, we say thank you, but we also just praise God because he is out of him. He is the source, the fount of all things. Um, And we just celebrate the grace of God in Mans Road Church because of what the Lord has done and will continue to do, Lord willing, for,
0: for a long time. Right. So Amen. until next time. Thanks for listening to Make and Multiply. If you have questions about anything related to discipleship huddles, missional communities, or gospel fluency, you can reach out to your missional community leader. And if you're not yet plugged into gospel community at Emmaus Road, visit us online at EmmausRoadSF.com.